All right, good morning. Again, thank you for that introduction, Bishop, and then thank you, uh, Johnny, for uh, the work that you do and the leadership area you do. This is going to be a little participation sermon this morning, so I need you everybody to stand up. All right. If you have experienced anger within the last day, you can be seated. If you have experienced anger within the last three days, you can be seated. If you've experienced anger within the last week, you can be seated. If you have not experienced anger within the last week and you're still standing, you are as close to God as anybody in this room. <laughs> Give these godly men a hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you haven't figured it out, my topic this morning is going to be about the discipleship of an angry dude. And I call it that for a reason, because if we are truly talking about discipleship in the full context of uh, the, the, the journey we started out on a couple of years ago, when we do all of the things that I hear what these wonderful men are doing and the police officers and pastors and Gilbert and uh, the Gilberts and all of these uh, fine works that are going on with Richard Fisher and Boy Scouts, we encounter angry men. And one of the things that happens to us is when we begin the discipleship process, we would love to encounter men just like the ones in this room, men who know how to respond to things and men who know how to react to things. But the truth of it is, is that the thing I share with Wayne Booker, my close friend who's back there today and the members of First Baptist Church is this. When you open your arms to receive men to Christ and receive people to Christ, you're opening your arms to receive everything that they are everything that they have been, all of their frustrations, all of their pain, and all of their anger. When you go to Melrose and you run into kids who, yeah, they play baseball and they come to Red Zone after the school program, you're encountering some angry kids. On the police force, when you're arresting people or when you're just trying to keep the peace, you encounter some angry people. As a matter of fact, in the hospital where I work, I sat in the lobby with a man for over one hour who was describing a pain that he had, but he couldn't quite put his finger on it. But everything he talked to me about was things that had happened to him in the past. And when we finished the conversation, we had boiled down to the fact that this man was angry. He was hurting. He was frustrated. He had a lot of pain in his life. He talked about a lot of things. He talked about what had been, what was not going on, what he was trying to do and how many times he had failed. He was angry and frustrated. It is said that men, those of us in this room, encounter three thoughts on a regular basis. Money, intimacy, and anger. I'll let you put them in the ranking order of which you encounter those thoughts. But it is said that these are the three things that we think about really the most. Do we have what we need to provide for the families that we have? Are we happy in that environment? And then, what are we frustrated about? But more than that, how do we deal with our anger and our frustrations? Well, this morning I want to talk about that a little bit because if we're going to truly be men who disciple men and help lead others to Christ, we have to understand that anger is a part of the process and we have to have a paradigm for dealing with that angry dude. Psalm 4, number 4 says, look, be angry and do not sin. It says, ponder your thoughts in your own hearts on your bed and be silent. What are the things we're often angry about? We're often angry about our workload. We're often angry about our family. We're frustrated. Not frustrated at our family members, but we're frustrated because some of the great things we want for our families are not happening the way we think they should happen. 
We can get angry about those things. We can get angry about systems around us and the failures sometimes that those systems introduced to us that we had nothing to do with, but yet we're caught up in that system. We had anger sometimes because promises that were made to us about jobs that we started out on were removed midway through the game. And we get frustrated and we get angry. But yet, we don't have a real paradigm for dealing with that because what we'll say is that that's an angry dude right there. And yeah, he's angry, but is he angry for a reason? And there's good anger and there's bad anger, we know that, but that's not the topic of the sermon today. The, the topic of the sermon is how do you encounter that angry guy and how do you help him to get from one state to another? Well, first thing you got to know is you got to allow for anger. You see, it is not a sin to be angry. You just got to teach people how not to act on their angry thoughts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, be angry, but avoid sinning as a result of the way you feel. So that's the first thing we got to do is we got to quit denouncing anger and let people realize it's a natural emotion. People get angry. How many of you get angry one more time? Let me see your hands again. And how many of you never been angry a day in your life again? Okay. She stays angry. She raised her hand up. She stays angry. But anger is something that happens. And so rather than to tell people and fuss at them and be upset with them, especially our sons and young men who are frustrated and don't know how to put life together, no, anger is real. I understand. I understand your anger. And listen to their anger. Let them vent it out. Let them get it out. And encourage them. Rather than to act on your anger, go back to Psalm 4, verse 4. Go home. Be silent. Get you some sleep. Rest. Think about it overnight. And if you get up on 10 in the morning, just like you went to sleep on 10 last night, call me again. Because somewhere in our meditation, somewhere in our prayer, we want the Lord to come in and help us to de-escalate. We got to learn how to de-escalate anger in the, in the discipleship process. Because everyone that we run into, we won't be able to just tell them three scriptures by Jesus and tell them something in the Bible and expect them to get there overnight. You got to sit with people who are angry sometimes. Sometimes you got to say, let me help you through this. And, and, and I understand. One of the things that we do in the men's uh, group that we have among friends is that we listen to each other. When somebody comes in complaining, somebody comes in talking about, you know, my, my, my son did this, my wife did this, I can't get the roof leak to stop. And we listen, and when we get through, what do we say, guys? You think you're better than us. Your problem is you think we don't have these same problems. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation that has taken you but such as is common unto man. But God, with that problem, with that temptation, with that issue, has made a way of escape. And so there is a way, but sometimes with angry people, men, you got to sit with them through the process until we become clear so that we don't act on the anger. Well, the second thing you got to do is you got to help men understand you're in good company. Touch men at the table and tell them you're in good company. You see, because what happens to a lot of us is that when we get angry, we think we're the only ones. And we start feeling bad because I got angry about something. Yeah. We get bad. We, we, uh, Johnny, have you been, ever been angry at your son? Thanks. I'm glad to know that. Johnny has been angry at his son. The rest of y'all who've been angry at your son, let's give Johnny a hand, all right? So, Johnny, you're not, in, you're not the only one. Keith, I'm not the only one. You, dad, are not the only one. It is important for us to let people know you are in good company. 
There are some other people who've been angry before. It is important for us to let them know that God can use angry men. Moses got angry. Jonah was angry. These are people that if you read their stories in Scripture, the word anger is associated with their conversations with God. God recognized their anger and did not throw them away. And so we got to quit throwing angry people away. We find a man who's angry and we push him aside as if he is no good. God can use that angry man. But we have to learn how to disciple that angry man. You see, these men are in good company. He's in their good company with us because we get angry. And yet God still uses us. He converts our anger and uses it for a platform for righteousness and good. He can take it and say, you do something about what you're angry about. Quit being frustrated in isolation and get up and put that frustration into something good. So the first thing we got to do is remember that we have to allow for anger. Just encourage men not to act on their angry thoughts. Second thing we got to do is we got to let people know that they are in good company. Plenty of men in the Bible experience anger and God still uses them. But thirdly, we got to let people know anger can be overcome. You can overcome anger. But there's a process. It goes back to Psalm 4, verse 4. First thing you got to do, get somewhere and sit down. Yeah. Ponder your feelings in your own heart. Quit talking to everybody about your anger. See, if you talk to the wrong person about your anger, you're going to be angrier. Because some people don't know what to use to deal with your anger. You see, if you go up to the wrong person and they got a bucket of gas in their hand and you start telling them about your anger, guess what? They pour gas on your fire. And guess what? Now you got two angry men. But if you talk to the right godly man, he knows how to help you quench that angry fire. But first it's good to talk to the Lord. Ponder your thoughts in your own heart. Just, just, shh, be quiet, and hear the still, small voice of the Lord. There have been times that I've been angry, and I decided I was going to get up and go and do this. Or I'm getting ready, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this straight. I know none of y'all do that, I'm the only one. But God would do something real convenient and not let me find my keys. Or he would send somebody around me who had one of those real calming spirits and say, well, I would think about that if I were you. There's a deacon at our church named John McKay. I can't stand to see him when I get angry. John is the calmest person I've ever met in my life. I was driving one day from Jackson, uh, Tennessee, and I was getting ready to come and do something because somebody had gotten on my nerves so bad I was angry. And John said, well, now, Pastor, if I were you. Before I knew it, I had driven past the church and I was almost in West Memphis, pondering what John said, calming down, thinking about it. Ponder your feelings in your own heart. Don't talk to everybody about your anger right away. Second, go to bed. Go to bed. Angry sleep is really good sleep.
I'm not going to encourage a glass of wine before, but I'm just saying an angry sleep is a good sleep. And if we're going to be honest about it, sometimes it's best to get some rest before you act. Go to sleep. Try to get somewhere. Because when the body is rested, when the mind is rested, you think clearly and you make better choices. If you act on your anger, you got consequences for a lifetime. But if you ponder the thoughts in your own heart and if you help the disciple men, if we're being honest with them, we're going to tell them, look, think about it. Get you some rest and then get back up and let's think about it again. Thirdly, shut up. Ponder your thoughts in your own heart. Go to bed and be quiet. Fourth and finally, there is no sin in being angry. It is only a sin when you act on it. You see, a lot of us have confused the idea of angry, anger being sin. Ephesians again says, be angry and sin not. So it's not a sin to be angry because everybody gets angry. And if anger alone was the sin, then all of us need to repent like every 30 seconds. When that car pulled in front of you and you cussed on your way here today and you got angry, you should have been repenting. That's anger. But if you chase that car down and the police are looking for you, you acted on your anger. Don't do that. The anger only, the sin only comes in when you act on the anger. So I want to introduce as I talk, I wanted to give a shorter sermon and more time for discussion today. Because one of the things that we really have to do is realize that we are encountering men who have anger. We think everything is well with them. We see they're coming in the church or they hang around or they meet us and we wonder. But there's something deep on the inside that they are angry about. And if we are not willing to sit with them through that anger and allow that anger to unfold, our discipleship process falls short. I believe Peter was an angry dude, y'all. I believe Peter was one of the angriest dudes that Jesus encountered. Check his background out. He was from the south side. He had a knife. He used to cuss a lot. And on record, he was still doing it right up until Jesus went to Calvary. In the garden, pulls his knife out and cuts a guy's ear off. Peter had some anger issues, but Jesus never gave up on him. But then that anger, guess what? It turned into fervency and fire because it was on the day of Pentecost that Peter got up and preached. When somebody accused him of being drunk, he said, wait just a minute. Ain't nobody in here been drinking yet. He was a dude who was on fire. He still had that same fervency, but because Christ was patient with him and loved him through it, he took that same man, and now that man's anger turned to a fervent passion for the Lord. I'm not saying we're going to ever take anger completely away from men that we run into. I just believe we can convert it to something good for the Lord. I believe Saul, who became Paul, was a guy who was angry at, but now he became passionate for the Lord. I think when we meet people, we have to be willing to help them process their anger. So there's some table talk questions that are going to be up here on the screen. I want to read them through so you'll make sure you get what it says. Has your anger ever caused you to sin? Well, here's the short answer to that. Yes. So here's what I put in parentheses. 
repent among each other by confessing your faults and move on. Yeah, that's what we got to help men to do. I didn't say confess your sin. You confess your sin to God. Confess your fault to one another. My fault is, is that I've acted on my anger more than I should have. I said some things I shouldn't have said. Pray for my forgiveness. Help me to receive it. Now let's move on. Because that's what we have to help men to do. Because they discount themselves and they always go back to the last mistake that they made. And they don't think that the Lord can use them because they've been angry. And you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things I've said. I don't know them. I don't care. Because if you ask for forgiveness in your heart, the Lord will forgive you. Secondly, do we have, do you have a strategy for confronting and discipling an angry man's fire? Does it involve gas or water? I hope you say water. Quite often what happens is that when angry people confront us, we get into anger with them. Man, I understand. If I, if I were you, I wouldn't put up with that. I'm going to go in here and quit my job in the morning. Man, if I was you, I would. Go on in there and quit it. Tomorrow when he comes looking for you to borrow $10, you don't answer the phone. I didn't tell you to quit the job. I said if I was you, I would have quit it. But I thought about it in between then, and so I tried to call you, and I couldn't get you. Don't get in the anger with them. Take the high ground and help them to come to where Christ is. What is our strategy? Think about it, because we're going to encounter some angry people, angry young men. Third, how does a sermon about anger make us feel? Because sometimes it invokes feelings within us to make us think, have I thought about my own anger? This guy's getting on my nerves. That's okay. I got security out there around my car. Y'all mess with me. I'm my own line of security. Fourth and final. Name two reasons why men get so angry so quickly. Think about it. What are common reasons that men get so angry so quickly? Last sermon I dealt with transparency. This sermon I dealt with anger. Lord says the same. On the next time they allow me to speak next year at the very end, I'm going to deal with the sex life of men. All right? Goodbye. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you uh, for time together that we spend, and thank you for real issues that we can talk about as men. I pray now, God, in this room that we can be transparent at the tables with one another, that we can realize that our own anger has sometimes not been under the control that we would like for it to be under, but yet we can understand other men that we encounter and their frustrations as well. Help us to have a paradigm shift from discounting angry men to converting and discipling angry men, and then help us, dear Lord, to understand what it means to embrace the fullness and totality of the people who come into our circles of influence. In Christ's name we pray, amen.